are you a woman leading in a nonprofit who has a desire to have a little bit different of a culture in your organization? Perhaps more friendly, a little bit more warmth, maybe better teamwork, perhaps love? We don't often talk about love in the workplace. And when we do, it's like hushed and quieted. But what if we created a workplace environment where people felt they could bring that heart, that desire, the passion for the work that they have into the workplace, into the relationships, and into the work they do. Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Today, I am talking to Elizabeth Bishop. This is the second time Elizabeth has been on the podcast, and we're talking about how do you create more love in yourself so that you can bring more love, or whatever word you want to use for love, into the workplace. Not only are you going to learn a few quick strategies and tips, perhaps, but you're also going to understand the mindset shift that you need to make to feel that love, that connection, that ability to create that environment for your team. If you don't know Elizabeth, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the creator of the Conscious Service Approach, a research-based process designed to educate, support, and celebrate the service providers and change makers of the world in ways that are personally meaningful, relevant, transformative, and current. She has a wealth of knowledge, history, experience around the service providers, the work we do in the human services field, the helping field, and she teaches in it. So tune in and look for little bits of things that you can do, little ways of being that you can start to understand so that you can both love yourself, love the work you do, and bring that element into your workplace. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. I know that you've been on here before, but tell everybody just a little quick uh, intro to who you are and the work that you do. Okay. Um, it feels like such a big question all of a sudden. I know. It's like, <laughs> how, do, how do you put you into a box? Eh? Well, my I, I would say that the, the um, heart of my work is something that I've been calling conscious service. That's what I've been working on for about 20 years and um, try to integrate that into different roles that I have. So I teach um, for Confederation College back in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Um, I've been teaching with them for about 30 years, and that hasn't been interrupted in any way, shape, or form with the pandemic or anything, yep. just carrying on, but mostly in human services courses. So it's a really beautiful opportunity to integrate that work. Um, and then I do a little bit of work with uh, a nonprofit here in BC um, in a caregiver coach peer facilitator program. And then just got we just got a grant with another organization, Bridge for Health, with Vancouver Foundation, a develop grant. And we're going to be um, looking at the lived experience of service providers and how service providers in healthcare and human services identify wellness and vocational fulfillment. So like really get into the heart of um, what I'm interested in. So yeah, that's yeah. just started up, which was really great. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to be back today and talk yeah. about what we're going to talk about. Thank you. It, it is so exciting because just as you were doing all that, I'm like, Oh, like the work you do and and your history, you have a huge history in, in nonprofits, speaks so closely to 
you know, I think why many of us get into this field, it's because there's a passion, a caring, a, an empathy. A, there's something that pulls us from our heart. And then something mm -hmm. happens and the friction hits and we lose that connection. So you and I are going to talk today about love in the workplace, which is not necessarily a conversation a lot of people talk about. No. When you before we were jumped on to record the podcast, we were talking about love. And, and I thought you it was interesting because you said people try to use other words for love. Speak more to that for a moment. Yes. Well, th this has really been coming to the forefront for me in the last few months since I started my PhD program at SFU, because I knew I wanted to go into it and think about, well, what does service mean and how do we define service? And then going through that first semester was like, well, love is an essential element of service. Like service is really an expression of love. Maybe love is an expression of service. Maybe it goes both ways. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, but I think that it's central anyhow. So then we started talking about it and people were saying, yeah, like we're, we shy away from talking about love in, in a classroom or academically or at work. And then I even had a conversation with another colleague who said, oh, you might want to be careful about using the word love. Like maybe we should talk about care. Like we're more comfortable with care, right? Like it's a service providers compassion. too. Care and compassion, but care comes from love and compassion comes from love. And that's really what the root is. And I think we get screwed up. In the way that we, like, you know, when we talk about compassion fatigue, it, it's not possible to be tired from compassion. Compassion is a derivative of love. Love is uplifting. Yep. Love is energizing. Love is a clear, beautiful space. It's as soon as we don't receive for ourselves, from ourselves, yep. or um, when we fear loss, when we become jealous, all those things that we step out of love, that's what hurts and that's yep. what's exhausting, right? But if we stay in love, then we're, you know, invigorated. So when you say stay in love, I think energy. Is that what you're thinking? Or is there someone like, how do you know when I'm in that space or not in that space? I think it's a feeling thing. I think that's where we have to tune in all the time. And we were talking about this before that, mm -hmm. you know, we like to have strategies and we like to figure out how to do it. That's certainly how I live have yeah. lived most of my life. What time do I have to get up in the morning? And where, <laughs> you know, where do I start? What do I have to do? You know, what do I have to do, do, do? We have a hard time just letting ourselves be with things. So I've been shifting out of that the last while from the root. I mean, I still have routine, obviously I have yeah. routine. There's something about that that helps me feel somewhat contained, like it feels good. But I think it's important that we're coming into the moment as often as we remember to, you know, to come into it when we realize we're not. Yeah. So it takes a lot of self-connection, like a lot of development of, recognizing what's going on in our bodies, which are like really sensing that. And that's new for me. It really is. Like I've thought myself to death, you know, I try well, to figure everything out. <laughs> when you were just saying earlier, we have to feel it. I think many of us have numbed ourselves from those feelings for many, many years. And as women in the boardroom, it's very clear that we leave our emotions at the door. Well, that doesn't work. And when you try and shut all that off and you tune all of that out, then you become this hardened, crispy lady who nobody wants to talk to either. Well, and you don't even want to be with yourself either, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Like, I don't like it when I'm like that. 
and I can no. hear it in my voice. Like I can hear my voice out loud when I'm in that space. And I think, what is the matter? <laughs> like, you know, what's wrong? What's bothering you? I, but I didn't necessarily used to ask that question in that way. I would ask only because I wanted to understand it so I could make it go away. Yes. And not yes. so I could actually sit with it. And what I'm learning is that if you just, if you just can just be with it, it goes and it moves much more quickly yes. than trying to figure out the story around it, trying to yeah. figure out what it's all about. Sometimes it's not really about anything other than just emotional energy. But I like what you were saying about that idea of leaving the emotions. And I think for people who go into vocations of service, because like you were saying, most of us have felt really passionately called. We want to do it. We yeah. think there's something we can contribute. We, we feel energized by it. Then we become disillusioned. But we're also encouraged to leave that emotional part of ourselves aside. It's on one hand, it's emotional labor. You know, you have to be present to other people's feelings and what other people are going through, but you leave your emotions aside. Well, it's not possible. Like that's completely impossible. There's no and way I you think can do it. I was going to ask you, but I think I answered my own question. I think that's where that shift comes from, where the work was feeding our souls to soul sucking. Yeah. Is when we, when we're told, well, stop being so emotional or don't get so caught up in your clients and, you know, leave that all behind. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I think that the other shift is to recognize that we're responsible for our own soul nourishment. And then that becomes something that overflows and part of the expression in service to other people. And then there's yeah. just reciprocity. So we're not actually looking for anything from other people. Like they don't have to respect us because we respect them and they have to say thank you and all that kind of stuff that we're actually feeding all of that ourselves through whatever practices or beliefs or whatever that we have. And then it just becomes part of the way we express and that we get so in tune with that, that we notice when we aren't there. And it doesn't mean let me rush out and get my needs met by somebody else. It means let me get quiet and do what I have to do for me. So love in the workplace starts with self-love. Yes. Self-compassion, self-care, all love. Yes. I can't love somebody else. I can't be in service to somebody else at my best if I don't take care of myself. Traditionally, when we've thought of self-care, schedule a massage, make sure you <laughs> go to the gym once a day, one, three times a week, um, have a bubble bath. But it's these things that aren't quite helping. Why is that? Well, because I think it's, it's inauthentic for one thing. Um, and I think it's so much deeper than that. Like even earlier when you were saying again about leaving emotions, don't bring it in. I was thinking about how part of the, like commonly with people who come into this kind of work, commonly are highly sensitive people. Oh yeah. And and tend to grow up and be encouraged out of it because it's seen as a liability. Oh, that's like so is, me. So me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's seen as, oh, this is too, it makes you too vulnerable. Hard enough. Toughen up. Yeah. 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 You can't, you can't let these things bother you so much. But really, I'm starting to recognize that it's actually a superpower. And that's exactly what we need in order to be effective. But first, we have to honor that in ourselves. So it's like taking that moment, moment to recognize when something's happened and we're feeling something to say, oh, boy, that really, that really hit or that stung. 
Yes. You know, and what is that? And, and, and do I need to understand it or do I just have to like understand it in, in a way of not intellectualize and tell the story and figure it out, but to just say, I get why, why you're feeling that way yeah. to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I think there's two things there. One is we often feel things because we have a story and that's part of when we talked before we talked about the need to do the self-reflective practice, you mm-hmm. need to sit down and journal. And sometimes that's figuring that story out and understanding, you know, what's making you feel angry or hurt or sad or whatever. That's part of it. And that's an important piece. But the other part is what you were just saying a minute ago is sometimes it doesn't really matter. Yeah, You just have to feel the energy and let it move through you. And so I go back to scheduling, you know, your gym time and stuff. I often tell people schedule time to cry. Like legit, find space in your calendar to feel and let that energy and that emotion just move through you. Crying on demand. I wish I could. (laughs) I used to be able to. But, you know, certain things happen sometimes in life, right? Where we make conscious decisions not to. Yes. And then it can creep up or needs to be expressed with the aid of other things, perhaps. (laughs) and really what I was thinking about before as well was this whole idea of self-abandonment I've been thinking about that Mm -hmm. a lot lately too and how that shows up which is really like a lack of love for ourselves yeah yeah where when things get too difficult we choose to leave yes you know and there's no other human being on the face of the earth that could ever fill that void when we choose to leave Mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, yes. and whatever that is, whatever escapist things that we might do, or however we push it aside or shove it to the back and Please, never get give more it. examples of that. How do we choose to leave, like quit the job or something else? No, choose to leave ourselves, where we um, keep on doing something that we don't really want to do. We keep saying yes, when we mean no, or no, maybe we choose. Yeah, or maybe we choose to leave by drinking too much, eating too much, getting involved in codependent relationships with other people, any kind of addictive pattern is a form of self-abandonment. And just, I can't be here with you. (laughs) So I'm leaving, I'm checking out, you know, and, and it becomes very easy to do that. And I think that as service providers, we're, we're very prone to that because we are like, we've talked about this before too, kind of hardwired to externalize. We want to give out there, but there can be no reciprocity if we can't receive Mm -hmm. and and reciprocity is not like we were saying before, it's not transactional. It's just the capacity to receive. Like, so to say, I'm feeling like something's missing today. You know, how do I respond to that? Not how do I run around and find something outside of me to try to respond to it? Like, how do I actually respond to it myself? And and I think it's really important for people who identify as being highly sensitive too. Just to, I think it's like an ongoing, you know, when you were talking about self-reflective practice, to me, that's kind of like what we do over here so that we can be more connected right now. Yes. Say more more about that. Well, it can't just be like, hey, oh, I got triggered. I have to go write in my journal, like, you know, (laughs) or, you know, sitting there hours later going, oh, I got triggered earlier and then I ended up, you know, being bitchy or whatever in the moment and not recognizing it. It's being in the moment and saying, oh, like I'm about to, yeah, yeah. you know, or I just did bite somebody's head off and stopping and saying, hang on one second. I was just very harsh 
and, you know, and being able to do it right then. I was talking to a client yesterday and she was realizing that she had done that. She recognized that she was, was doing that. And so she was talking about, you know, what are some things and I could just feel her getting worked up and worked up. And I'm like, okay, let's just take a few slow, deep breaths. And I was teaching her how to, you know, make the out breath longer than the in breath. Cause that's, what's really going to relax you. And, you know, we did it for a minute or something and she looks and she's like, I could do that during a meeting. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Yes. In the moment. And that's what you're talking about. In that moment, we do the self-reflective, self-reflective practice. We do the meditation. We do the practice breathing outside of the, you know, more like in the gym, right? We're practicing. And then we get into the arena, which is a Zoom call or a board meeting or a conversation with our partner or whatever, or the, you know, person at the till. And they were like, oh my God, and you can feel it. And it's like, but you got to practice it outside so you can do it in the yeah. moment. Yeah. And I think the more that, I think it's it's a balance of having, well, of having those practices and a variety of things you can go to. Yeah. So it could be just a small little, okay, I, I need to reflect on something here. And you have your practice that you can do it right then and there. Or it's something you can engage, engage in for a longer period of time, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it yeah. is always about the moment. You know, like yeah. if it's always a means to an end, like, cause, cause sometimes then too, we can go into meditation or we can go into exercise with the only purpose is to hit an outcome we want to get, like feeling better at the end, which is a drag. And that's not going to end up sustaining us. You know, mm-hmm. like when this whole thing started, I'd been going to the gym, like I'd been going to Orange Theory at the time, which I loved. Yeah. And then they closed and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then a couple of months ago, I thought, well, the gym's closed. I've I want the endorphins. I want to enjoy. I'm going to try running, even though I think I hate it. And I'm going to try. Well, guess what? I absolutely fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And now it is not, I do not have to coax myself out the door. I will go in the pouring rain and I have little rewards. Like sometimes I, you know, I'll stop at a coffee shop partway through and then I run back after and I sit there and just have my coffee, whatever. And then I've got caffeine and I've got more energy, but I actually love the process of it yeah. and not just the end. And I thought, Oh, I'm getting something here. I'm only 55. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finally getting it. You know, like well, it's, it's funny you said that. Cause I, I'm a walker and I'm the same way. Like I, Yesterday I walked, it was minus 28 or 29 at the wind chill. And I figured out if you put a mask on, you actually get more warmth and you know, your face doesn't freeze. So I had like my mask and my scarf on and I'm not even social isolating for, or social distancing, but I'm so committed to getting that walk. But what's interesting is what we talked about earlier. I don't schedule that walk at two o'clock every day. When my body says it's time to go for a walk, And sometimes that's, there's sunlight outside. Sometimes it's like, I only have this window today to go. But other times it's like, that's when I need to cry. Or that's when I need to work something out in my head. And I need that strategic thinking piece. Or my body's tight and I just need to stretch. Whatever. But it's in the moment, I'm like, time to go for a walk. And, you know, I just get up and I go. And so it's not like in a box, that's such a beautiful example. I've noticed that too, which is a, a shift for me because before it was like, no, you got to get up at yep. 5 a.m. and you got to go right then. And now, and that's, I think that's an act of self-love is listening to the body. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I noticed my knees were getting sore. 
a couple of weeks ago and I thought, okay, if yeah. this matters to you and you love yourself, then you're going to figure out what you need to do to strengthen your knees and take care of what's going on, or you're going to have a problem. And so then you do it. I mean, that's what the key is, right? Did I ever tell you about that story? Like this was years ago when it kind of like was a light bulb moment when I was drinking that coffee. Did I tell you about that? No, tell us. One morning I was sitting out there on the steps one morning and I was drinking uh, my coffee. Like when I poured, it was when I took cream in my coffee and I'd poured the drop of cream in the coffee and it flaked a little bit. And I thought, oh, well, you know, so I said, oh, no, it seems okay. So I go sit outside and then I'm sipping it and it's not okay. It isn't okay. But I'm telling myself, I think it's okay. It's yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then I stopped and I thought, what the hell are you doing? Like, are you going to force yourself to drink this whole cup of coffee with sour cream no. in it? And like, what's the problem with throwing it down the drain and starting over? And by the way, I lived right next door to a grocery store. Like, I mean, right there. And that was a turning point for me. I thought like that, it's really in the simple little things. Yes, yes. That we don't force ourselves to just settle for something or accept something just because, you know, it's good enough. We actually let ourselves acknowledge what we yes. really want and then, and then do what we can to let ourselves have it. And I think just what you said, the little things, like yeah. it's really, is, I wish I had it in here. It's in my other room. We were at the dollar store on the weekend and there's this cup with like cactuses and pink flowers and it's perfect for my pens. Right. And I'm like, I want that. It's like a dollar. Right. Yeah. You know, and in the past I'd be like, oh, do you really need it? Like what will people think? <laughs> it's like, it's a cactus cup that's worth a buck, Kathy. Like I know, oh. I know. And but I it look is those. It. Yeah, and when I walk in the room and see it, it's like, oh my god, that's so cute. I love it. It's it's that's those little things that bring joy that we yes. just again sometimes push away. So yes. it's pretty simple. It is simple, and it does. It's not. Oh, I have to give myself a big vacation. Oh, I have to quit yeah. the job. Oh, I have to. It's you no. Know, what what in the moment is going to help me to feel? that I'm taking care of myself, mm-hmm. that I have my own back. So even if it is that you're in a job that isn't quite where you want to be, it's it's not about taking the stand against something. It's about taking the action on your own behalf. I think that's what it is. And so we were talking earlier about how do you show up in an, in an unconditional love, you know, which has to include us without feeling um, sacrifice at some point. Like what if something is happening in your life that isn't quite the way you want it to be, but you want to stay in a state of unconditional love without sacrificing yourself. Okay, I'll give you an example and you see how we play with this one. My employee has just done something pretty bad and I'm calling them in for a meeting to discuss this with them. I'm not happy. It had implications for a client, potentially the funder, blah, 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 blah. How do I bring love into the workplace in that situation? Well, I think the first question I would ask myself is if the tables were turned, how would I want to receive that information or that feedback from somebody? Because the person who's, you know, done the discretion, I mean, I think it's unconditionally loving to just go in assuming that that person already knows that something has happened that they don't feel good about and that we see them as being capable of um, stepping into an honorable place. That's a mindset piece, seeing them as being capable because many of us go, 
this is their faults. This is where they're wrong. These are their weaknesses. This is where they're hurting us. We don't see that whole yes. potential part. Exactly. And to me, the, that is a statement of unconditional love. I see that the potential is there. Doesn't mean I'm going to say, hey, you know, continue to screw up or here you go. You know, I'll lay down and you can walk over me one more yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that because it, can, it can't be unconditional unless we're included in it. Right. But I do think unconditional love sees the capacity in somebody else and trusts that to be realized according to their own decision, you know, yeah. according, uh, according to their own volition to realize it themselves, but to see it as a possibility. Cause I think, I think the other part of what you were saying, you know, what they're doing to us and all of that is that we identify people by their behavior. Yes. And I sure know that I would not want to be defined <laughs> by all of my behavior in the past. Like there's, there's, oh, let me put it this way. There's behavior in the past that I would not want to be defined by. Yes. Uh, yes. Agreed. Me too. <laughs> you know, and then not, not so distant past. I'm thinking about a particular time that I was yelling at my admin support and the door was shut and the walls were this thin. Like, Well, yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, loses control or whatever sometimes and that's fine, but it's not, it doesn't define who we are. It says where we're at. Yeah. It says what our situation is or how we're responding to our current circumstances. And we don't have to make another person's behavior about us, but we often do. Yeah. Right? yeah, behavior means that they're this, that, and then we t- tell the whole story. Yeah. Then it becomes really hard to be unconditionally loving because now yeah. we feel attacked like, yes. if we're perceiving that. But what if the only way that a loving energy could be in a difficult situation would be if we kept cultivating it inside of ourselves? Mm. Like, what if that's the only way it can be there? Yeah, yeah. So how do you do that? How do you keep cultivating it inside yourself? Stop telling the story. I think that's number one. We catch ourselves when we're telling the story about all the shady motives behind somebody's behavior (laughs) and understand that it could just be a number of different things. It could be an insecurity. It could be they've made a mistake and they're afraid. It could like, you know, whatever. Right. And, and just changing that up. And I think one of the things that, that you said a minute ago was, um, you know, how do you want that person to feel? A, that starts with some intentionality on the part of the leader. You have to plan before you go into a meeting how you want that person to feel at the end of that meeting. Like well, when, when they walk out the door, I want them to feel inspired to change. Go ahead. Except that you have no real control over that. Right? No. So I would say that maybe the intentionality happens with how do I want to feel? Well, that's what I was just going to say. And so if that's the outcome you want, then it comes back to what do you need to do to have that influence that outcome? Yes. Yes. And then let it go. Right. I mean, that's one of the hardest things. I've heard a couple things this morning already about detaching and that always gets me going because I feel like, well, what, what do I have to detach from? What do I have to let go of? I don't want to, because I always think it's going to be the thing I don't want to let go of, which is probably the very thing I need to let go of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's what the resistance is saying. Yeah. But I think that, um, um, I'm trying to go back to what we were just talking about there. It is the intentionality about how do I want to feel in this conversation? How do I wish to show up? I think is another really powerful guiding question. Yes. How do I wish to show up? And then how do I wish to feel at the end? 
So if yes. you can, at the end of it, say, okay, I think I, I think yeah. I showed up the way I wanted to, and I still feel calm and gentle, and I feel like space was created. And then, and then the detaching from how they end up feeling, because there could be, there could be a, a little bit of remorseful energy or something. That oh is, yeah. That never feels good. You that never feels good to, to anybody. So again, part of that is self-reflective practice. You might want to journal that out and stuff, but when you do this again and again and again, you will be able to answer those three questions that you just asked in about 30 seconds mm-hmm. before you hit, you know, go on the zoom call. Yes. So you get to the point when you practice this, that you can just do it in the moment. Wait a minute, things just went south. This is not who I want to be. This isn't the impact I want to have. Take a deep breath. Where do we go from here? Yeah, it is absolutely in the moment. And I, you know, I think something I've noticed too, like I, I would be more inclined to ask those questions of myself on a day where I wasn't feeling great. And, and then not necessarily remember to ask myself those questions on a day when I am feeling great. And mm-hmm. I remember when I first started the practice years ago, when I was teaching face-to-face at the College in Thunder Bay before I moved out here, um, if I was having a particularly hard day and I was about to go into class, you know, you always make the yeah. bathroom run before you go in. And I would stand there in that stall going, okay, just let me get out of my, uh, let me get out of the way. Let me just get out of the way and show up open and let yeah. things flow through. And those were often the best classes. But yes. then on days when I thought, oh, I've, I've got everything under control, I would often forget to ask. And then sometimes I'd get tripped up oh, in the yes. midst of it. Like yeah. it's important to ask all the time. We've been doing a practice now with the classes that I'm teaching online where all of the classes, we start with like an arrival grounding yeah. exercise and, and just tuning in and then setting the, our intentions you know, whether it be for the next few hours, the day, or if yeah. people have personal intentions they want to set, how we want to show up, how we want to contribute. So we're doing it, which is perfect for me because then, then you do it, it too. Yeah. I'm doing it. And people, we've all really loved it. And it does. Like, I mean, I've noticed that there's times where it's like, oh, you know, because it's early in the morning and maybe I don't quite feel mm-hmm. like it. But as soon as I do that, then I do feel like it. Yeah. And then I'm there, you know. Yeah, But one of the things that we started um, incorporating in there was the idea, and this could be helpful, of, um, well, tuning into your, your heartbeat. Like, mm. just can you feel and hear your heartbeat? And you know what? As soon as you say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm intentionally going to tune in yeah. to feel and hear my heartbeat, mm-hmm. you do. So one of the tricks that I learned with that is the senses. So, yeah. What can you feel? Like, can you, can I touch my shirt, something? What can I smell? Maybe you've got your cup of coffee. Um, what can I hear? You know, the furnace is running, the dog is snoring, somebody's, you know, grinding, like whatever I hear, right? Um, what, and, you know, sometimes you'll be like, what do I hear close by? And what do I hear in the distance? Oh, there's an airplane out there. And so, yeah, you just use your senses. And that just brings you to this moment. So, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you go into, again, I was talking to another client the other day and she's like, you know, I literally hang up from one call and start the next call and I'm still back there. And I'm like, heck yeah, of course you are. You need to come to this moment. Yes. And so if that's a deep breath, uh, you know, touching yourself, something brings you back here. Yes. And I mean, even like talking to yourself or we're talking to ourselves all the time anyways, you know, in our heads, like sometimes, and you know, now I'm living on my own. I'm in my own space for the first time really ever in my life. And, um, 
And I, so, I mean, not that I hesitated to talk to myself when there was other people around anyway, I still did, but now I'll just like, if I'm thinking something, sometimes I'll just sit down and say, uh, I just say it out loud. Me too. And say, Oh, you know, this is that, whatever. And the other thing we were doing practicing in the, um, about the heart and the heartbeat and the senses yeah. and stuff was practicing that you're sitting inside of your heart and put your hands on the inside walls of your heart and just gently push it because when we're scared or feeling out of love, what do we yeah. do? Yeah. Tighten right up, close down, shut down. I'm going to close yeah. my heart. Yeah. And then, and then it's really difficult to show up in an unconditionally loving kind of way because we're yes. already protecting ourselves and defensive. Yep. But if we can just push on it a little bit and create our own safety. Yeah. You also wanted to talk about hands or hands and heart, head and heart, sorry, head and heart. Head and heart. Yeah. It was about going into that. Well, I guess that kind of leads into it, right? Like checking in with the, with the heart. Like I know for me, if there's things in my life that aren't quite you know, lined up the way I want them to be. I do a lot of analysis. Like I like, you know, I think about it a lot. I try to come up with every possible (laughs) explanation. You know, a lot of that goes back to our old stories, right? Our old interpretations. Of course, that's what's going to happen. So it's noticing that and, and then um, going into the heart and asking the heart for for guidance, because that's usually I mean, that's the pure wish. That's the pure desire that we have. And I think that's a way of demonstrating self-love is by saying, well, what is my pure desire? I'm going to go ahead and just accept that that's what it is instead of trying to talk myself out of it for fear of disappointment and not getting it. Yeah. So what if I just say, yes, that's what you want. That is totally what you want. It's okay to want it. And go ahead and feel how great it would feel to actually have it and and be in all of that kind of energy, mm-hmm. just like enjoying the running instead of just when it's yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the same kind of thing. And tuning in and listening to that. Because if your heart wants it, your heart believes on some level. And that is way more powerful than our heads are always going to tell us no. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Well, and our heads get rational and theories and stories. Evidence. Oh, evidence out the yin yang. We pack it in. Um, yeah. And so that's important. I mean, we do need a piece of that, but then you need to step out of that. There's a quote by Brene Brown something about we learn to move information or learning from our head to our heart through our hands. And I think that's what we're talking about, where we say, your head is like journal it, you know, do that self reflective practice. But to get it to your heart, you actually have to do the work, which is your Mm -hmm. hands or, you know, your mouth opening up saying what you need to say, fumble, fall, make a mess of it, get back up, do it again, fall again. Uh, But you're never going to feel that, that compassion in the workplace that is really that love that we're talking about. And reignite that joy and love you had and that passion that got you into the field in the first place. You're not going to do that if you don't do the work. Yeah. Or let yourself be with whatever you're feeling. Like, I think that's the other part of it too. Cause sometimes there is nothing to do, but just to be like, just to recognize it and notice it. And I really feel too, like, you know, when there is something in external situations that it's time to respond to, that if we're paying attention to our heart, our heart will tell us yes. the exact same thing. And we'll say, yeah. no, no more of this. 
yes. or, you know, be patient or whatever it is, whatever guidance we have to have, our yeah. heart will know, yes. but we get so mixed up up here, but it is the application. It is the feeling, you know, I had a situation just a couple of not long ago, about, about a month and a half ago where there'd been this dynamic with somebody I work with that didn't feel right, right from day one. And it's not a super long, uh, you know, relationship, but it just has not felt right from day one. And I, I knew both of us could feel it. And I would, I was starting to notice every time we talked that I was more and more crusty, you know, <laughs> stiff. And it was like, I couldn't even stop myself. Like I could feel myself doing it and I could hear it, but there was something I just, and then I'd get off the call and go like, like I did it again. And what was the problem? So, you know, eventually what happens in those situations is what happened. And we got into this one call and then I was at the, I was at my breaking point and I said, well, to be honest, you know, and then I went into what I wanted to say and the other person became, you know, visibly emotionally upset. And then that was the moment of, oh boy. So it was not so much that what I said uh, wasn't true of my experience. It was the way I said it. I was harsh and it was hurt. I I was mean. I was mean. Like that's what happened. And so, I mean, I was able to acknowledge that in the moment, but that still doesn't, you know, take care of everything all at, all at once. But, um, and then, and then, you know, I extended an apology and, and all of that. And we had another conversation um, where the person also, you know, wanted to acknowledge how mean I was. <laughs> but the fact that I, but the fact that I, you know, it was like, oh boy, I let this go way too long. Yeah. And here's what happened and what can I do? But, but it was afterwards, I had to be kind to myself. And say, mm-hmm. okay, this is what happened. That's not the way you want to do it. So what can you do now? All you can do is take responsibility for the fact that you hurt somebody else's feelings because yeah. of the way you delivered, you know, yeah. and forgive yourself. So when, when we sat through the next conversation and that part came, do you know what, Kathy? Like I did not beat myself up for a second. I just thought this is part of it. Yeah. Just, just let them say it let them, they like, let them have their thing that they need to do and say, and just stay open. And it was a little clunky, you know, for the first few interactions after that. But now I can feel that it's starting to, to restore. So like, it's a beautiful example of somehow, sometimes conflict can actually move us toward a deeper kind of connection, or even just a more, more stable, more peaceful way of relating with each other. So it's worth going through. I love the journey because I think a, what you just highlighted was you've been doing this work for a lot of years, Elizabeth, and still it hits you, which is the way it will be till we die. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Never be like fixed, cured, perfect, done. It does not work that way. And the, I was listening to my playlist around, uh, lift up and energy and all this kind of stuff. here comes Miley Cyrus with the climb right oh yeah yeah and, and I'm like isn't that the truth like it is a climb and it and it's not always easy and it's not always fun and there's there's times that you're exhausted and and you slip and you fall but then you get back up and you look down and you're like oh look how far I've come yeah you know yeah. and so you look at that situation and in the moment it didn't feel great but tons of learning from it tons of opportunity tons of opportunity to for other people to see that learn from that like it's a growth experience and it is it takes the vulnerability and the heart connection 
Yeah. And it really, I mean, I think the difference for me is being able to respond to myself in a loving way, which yeah. I haven't done for most of my life. Yeah. I've been more of a kind of, you know, yeah, get cracking, do it right, yeah. be perfect, don't make mistakes, you know, or if yeah. you do, do it privately so other people don't see it and then hide it yes. so other people can't figure it out. <laughs> and there's no freedom in that at all, you know, and oh. um, so I think that's been the difference for me. And I think, you know, what you're saying too, with the whole idea of the climb is that there is, it's ongoing, but there are points of arrival. And like yeah, when you're yeah. self-connected, we can be like, okay, yeah. like you said, oh, I'm here. Oh, this is what's different. Here's yep. what feels different. Here's what I'm noticing here. And I'll keep going. And then there's the next yeah. piece yeah. that unfolds, right? Always. Okay. So to have some self-love or some love in the workplace starts with self-love. Yes. That self-love starts with that awareness and being in the moment. And I think that we've given some strategies around that. Um, let's just kind of through our own head kind of highlight them. One, I think really is bringing ourselves into the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's that, you know, touching your heart, doing something. Um, what else would you add? What what kind of summarize what we've talked about? Um, I think practices that bring us into the body are really important too. So whether that is the breath work or it's exercise mm-hmm. or yoga or stretching or yeah just sitting there and noticing, like you were saying, the sense, like the sensory kind of experience and then just listening to it um, and letting it be. And if there is something to respond to responding as soon as possible, you know, like if we notice, Oh, I'm hungry or I need to move or whatever. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be in a certain position for a really long time. Yes. And then I stand up and I think, Holy cow. (laughs) You can almost hear everything clunking and <laughs> creaking. And it's like, why didn't I move sooner? You know, like yeah. just, just those little things that we yeah. notice um, responding. So being coming into the moment when you can um, being in your body and being present, responding to what comes up, having those self-reflective practices. Mm-hmm. And I think it like just the practice of letting whatever it is, just be okay. You know, like, speaking to ourselves as we would like somebody we really love, you know? Yeah. yeah. Especially if we feel like we've made a mistake or we've screwed up or something. Bottom line is it starts with self-love. You can't, you can't feel love for other people if you don't love, feel that love for yourself. Well, and it's like feeling it. Yes. Like sometimes yeah. it's, it, we think we're not, we're love is it. not in our head. No, that we're thinking we're feeling it, but it's like really like, you know, are we really feeling that or are we feeling the lack of that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what kinds of activities help really to increase our vibration could be watching something, listening to something, moving, laughing, crying, whatever to just come to a different kind of, and we know what that is. We just have to pay attention to how it feels, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we can respond. I think that's, that's the main thing. And, and, redefining, redefining this idea of reciprocity and receiving, I think is a big, big, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. creating our own safety. So we don't feel like we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're defend oh. ourselves. I love these conversations. With it's intangible. Over. It's hard to have an actual, yeah. here's what to do. You know, it is, it is. It really is. Because I think, like you said, it's, it's, it's a feeling. And we cannot give you the three strategies to feel. 
We just can't. It's no. not like you tick this box off and you schedule this in and you suddenly will feel again. It doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. So I think, I think that's another piece too, right? Being patient with ourselves. Cause it might just be, you have a fleeting moment yeah. of connecting with something and then it's gone. Yes. You know, and um, um, what was the other piece of oh, being patient? Did I just say that? Yeah. <laughs> yourself is important be patient with yourself but it was another thing well and I know what it was too Kathy it Go was ahead. um besides being patient it was being curious and asking the questions yeah so when something is happening or something is difficult to feel to be asking the questions that deepen the curiosity you know like yeah. let me how can I just sit with this for a moment yeah. is there something I need to understand what are you trying to tell me like yeah. that kind of thing Asking questions you know. of yourself. Yes, yes. Get curious about your own your own process. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here again on the podcast. And you know, to the listeners, do this work. It's worth it. It's it's not something that you have to, you know, have a formal practice of anything. You just have to be present and and practice being present. That's what it is in the moment. Um, and mm. when you do that, you'll. Get out of that unfeeling place, that place that sucks your soul away, and you'll start to feel again and reconnect to why you do your work and what you love in your work. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the Training Library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com slash library. If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome. Awesome.